Hey everyone, it's Amelie here. I uh, just wanted to hop on quickly before we introduced our amazing guests for our super exciting bonus episode. Wanted to talk a little bit with AJ about how our the beginning of our years have been so far. So we can dive right into it. AJ, how are you doing, girl? Ah, I just realized um, you don't have a nickname for me yet because like we went from like client to, you know, into like business together. And I'm so excited. I'm excited. <laughs> Is AJ technically a nickname? So great question. <laughs> it's not okay. because I've been called AJ since I was out of the womb. Right. So, like I don't consider, and everybody calls me AJ. Like if it was like, like I have a friend who's like family has like these really funny nicknames for her that they've always called her, but like nobody else calls her that, mm. you know, like her name, her name's Carly and like her, her family, like will call her like, I don't, I can't remember the names, but they're like not Carly. Or they're not derivatives of Carly. They're not like car, you know, I call her car, <laughs> but, um, Hey Carly, love you. Um, but, um, no. So like, I'm excited to see what your age, what your version, and I don't have a nickname for you either. No, you don't. What are You're your, like, yeah, what, what do people what call you? What well, call honestly, you? I'm not a big nickname person because I feel like my name isn't like conducive to nicknames. I have some, my mom calls me, um, um, um yeah um yeah. and then some of my friends call me that in passing and then Frankie's whole family calls me oatmeal oh my god that's so cute <laughs> because when we first started dating his grandma literally messed up my name and said oatmeal <laughs> instead of <laughs> <Molly>. <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> I'm gonna call you oatmeal no, you can't keep spreading it. No, it's fine. I, <laughs> you can call me whatever you want. I'll respond. I'll respond to oatmeal. That's so funny. Okay, so my nicknames are mainly like age, mm. um, which I love. And like, I love when someone calls me age. It's like so endearing to me. Um, Brett has like a thousand nicknames. Um, his mom and him call me Angela, which okay. I think also my like, I think my camp friends also call me that, like, age a baby, Angela, like, some kind of derivative of that. Um, but age is the normal one. All right. Well, I, I don't, I don't know. I was about to say I'll call you age from now on, but um, I don't know I, if I, I don't know if I'm going to. It'll come naturally. Exactly. We'll like, it, it could we'll be like something totally different. But like, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, I don't know what the maybe think of that, but it was just like, oh, you always say my name, which is so nice too, honestly, because so many people don't just say my whole name, AJ, my whole name, AJ, the two yeah, letters right? of my name. So funny. But anyway, um, I think this is feel, how it's- Do you feel like it's weird when your significant other says your name out loud? So I have like a, a bad tendency to say people's names when I'm upset. My uh, sister gets really mad at me about this because I'll be like, Amanda, and she'll be like, AJ. And, <laughs> um, and so I'm really conscious of it. So I always try to pepper in her name in like really nice, casual ways so that like, it's like positive reinforcement because- Okay, I but your like, sister's not your significant other. Sorry, I know. I, I, I go, I'm go, okay, so I'm going, so, but those are the only two people that I would do that with is like my sister and my significant other. Right. Um, and- I love when I love hearing Brett say my name to other people, but like, he doesn't really say my name to me. Right. I think that's the whole point is because you're with that person. So often when they say your name out loud, you're like, 
taken aback. Yeah, like, you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's so that's, totally. that's me. Yeah, it's really, it, and like, it's weird for me to say, not weird, but like saying Frankie, it's just, it's like a weird thing in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? I honestly think about that too all the time. I'm like, I think about it all the time. That's so funny. I think about, I'm like, Brett, Brett, that's my fiance, Brett. Brett. And I like repeat it yeah, in my head and I'm like, weird. wait, that's his name? That's <laughs> That's exactly what I'm talking about. I feel like most people will identify with that. Hopefully. I hope so. I hope yeah. so. Anyways, okay, back to the beginning. AJ, aged, Angela. <laughs> okay, how are you, my friend? Um, I feel like that really just encompassed 2021, <laughs> like in a nutshell. Yeah. It's a little wild. Um, I feel really busy. There's all these amazing opportunities happening for Beyond the Green, and I'm so fucking excited and motivated. Um, Brent and I have made like a crazy organized schedule that I keep breaking and he's not happy (laughs) with me about, which I don't know what that is that like, I wrote it down. I created the schedule. I sat down with Brett and I wrote it and I was like, we're doing this. And yet I'm the rule breaker. And I'm like, why am I such a freaking rule breaker, AJ? Like get it together. So (laughs) I don't know why that happens, but what do you mean? Like breaking, you mean just I have it, like, we have it on the schedule. What's an example? Okay, perfect example. So like from five to six yesterday, I was supposed to food prep and Brett was supposed to cook while I was teaching the course. And I decided instead to take a bar class with my friend Jessica. So he was like, I'm annoyed because it's on the schedule that from five to six you food prep. And even though we didn't really like, the night ended up going much later and I had a client call last minute, I, it like, he was just like, I'm annoyed because that was time. That was an hour that you were supposed to do something and you could have been with Luna. And then I ended up being with Luna and not being able to get my, my work done. Right. So that's like a really good example. And mm-hmm. like, I did food prep, but like not at the time that I said I was going to do it. Got so it. That's something that we're working on. And by working, I mean, I'm working on, <laughs> um, I don't know why I'm such a rule breaker, but I have to get better at it. And, um, what else? I mean, I'm really, I'm not like tired. I'm just like having a puppy is so much work and I just had no idea. And I feel a little dumb about that, but like, I just didn't know. I thought it was going to be like super easy. Mm. It's not. Yeah. But she's so cute. It's worth it. Yeah. Uh, in two years, it'll be worth it. (laughs) (laughs) See you then. See you in two years. Um, so that's like me in a nutshell. I'm, I'm like working out a lot more and moving my body and I'm doing, so Kim Weeks is my, I'm my yoga teacher and I've been able to go to her class at least once a week. The goal is twice a week. And that's like a huge, I just, it makes me feel part of a community. I actually got to take my good friend Yelena's, um, yoga class over the weekends. And so I'm like getting back into like the groove of things and like, it feels really nice to move my body. Like I feel much better. And we've been like doing way better at eating, um, in general. So bringing on 2021 with the bang and yeah, that's me in a nutshell. How are you? Love it. Well, I have not worked out a single time in 2021. (laughs) That's okay. That's great. Um, but not because I don't want to, not that I'm like a huge workout person anyways. I mean, I, I really enjoy moving my body, but I'm like a big walker and yoga Pilates. 
I like to lift sometimes, but I don't know. I prefer walking. It's my thing. Um, and I can go for walks, but my 2021 has been crazy. I last Saturday, I spent seven hours in the ER after spending an hour and a half at my doctor's office. So that was a nice, whatever, eight hours in the doctor's and I, for, should I share my whole medical? Yeah, I'll share my whole medical history. (laughs) Fuck it. Um, I have a, I had a ruptured ovarian cyst that was bleeding internally in my body. And it was one of the worst pains I've ever felt. And I went to the ER pretty much for them to tell me that they can't do anything about it unless it gets worse, in which case I will get surgery. So yeah, great start to 2021. And at first, didn't you think it was like COVID and then you thought it was food poisoning? Oh yeah, it was was a journey. So the the hilarious slash not hilarious slash just ironic part about all of this is that I... The first day of feeling sick was January 1st, literally the first day of 2021. Yeah. Was when I started to feel sick and I just had like stomach symptoms, like nausea. And at first I thought I had food poisoning. So for a day I was like, oh, I just have food poisoning. It's going to go away. Didn't go away. I was like, oh fuck, I have COVID, got COVID tested and I didn't have COVID, which like, thank God. And then so, so by that time I had been feeling sick for like a week, but the thing is that my symptoms were fairly mild. Like I was really fatigued, really exhausted. Like I literally got nothing done on my to-do list. It didn't move my body, just like sat around watching TV because it's all I could do. And like, I did the work that I had to do, but other than that, I was like, just so tired, slept a ton. And so after a week I was like, okay, what the fuck is going on? So I made an appointment with my PCP. I went to see her. She like did an exam on me and she goes, you need to go straight to the emergency room. Wow. Went to the emergency room and spent the rest of the day in the emergency room. The emergency room was so busy that I didn't even have a room. I was in a bed in the hallway. And you had to wear your mask the whole time. And you had had to wear wear my mask the whole time, which is fine. Like it's part of life now. I'm used to it. Like, I don't mind. It was more just like waiting around in the ER. No one could go in with me because of COVID, whatever. It's like, I'm not even complaining because people are giving birth by themselves with masks on. So it's like, I can deal with this, but it was certainly not the best start to my year. Um, and I had to pay a hundred dollar emergency room copay. Yeah. And I am definitely going to get a bill because I got a CAT scan and an ultrasound and some other like blood tests and all this stuff. So yeah, great start to my year. But one really awesome thing, this is a plug for FSA cards because it's my first year ever having one. And I had to take $0 out of my personal account, checking savings, whatever, to pay for this whole situation. Like it's all going to come out of my FSA fund. Can you explain what an FSA fund is? Yes. So FSA is pre-tax dollars taken out of your paycheck that uh, go onto a card for you to use specifically on medical expenses. Um, And it's awesome because 
at, at least for my company, you get all of the money at the beginning of the year. So if you have like a big, big medical expense, you don't have to actually wait for it all to add up on your card. It's just like a chunk of money. It's predetermined that it's going to get taken out of your paycheck. And it's like a separate account that, I mean, it's still your money, like from your paycheck, but it's getting taken out pre-tax. So um, on my paycheck, it's really not that much of a difference, which is awesome. And uh, there's also like, you can use it on random stuff. Like um, I'm planning on buying a heating pad with it, like a nice heating pad. Cause that's one of the things that is like so useful for my yeah. life. Gotta make um, you feel better. Yeah. You, you can buy like tampons. You can buy, you know, it's like, a, there's a ton of stuff that you can buy with it and use pre-tax dollars instead of your own personal money after taxes. So it's honestly really awesome. It's my first year doing it. And seven days into 2021, I had to use it. So. Wow. Well, luckily um, you had it. And I actually forgot that I had it when I went to the ER. So I paid with my card and then I like called the hospital building two days later and I was like, can I please put this on my FSA card? They were like, sure, that's fine. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I, I mean, I spent like the first like week or so of 2021, obviously not motivated and like not doing anything. But then the last couple of days since I went to the ER, I've gotten like pain meds and I feel better every day. So I've been checking things off my to-do list left and right. And it feels so fucking good. Same with like the beyond the green stuff. I feel like this is our year. I'm so excited for everything that's to come. And I'm feeling the last couple of days I felt really good. It also might be this new moon in Capricorn. Um, that's like really affecting my go-getter energy, but me too. Yeah. Yeah. I've been feeling like so on top of my shit. Yeah. Same. Um, I just, my brain went into a million different places. So I, like, <laughs> I want to go, but um, yeah, I think uh, it's an, it's an exciting time. It's a really good time. If you're listening to like plant seeds for what you want for the next 12 months and yeah. you, you know, for a year and for the next 12 months. Um, and, and it's, it's an, there's a lot of change coming about. Yeah. Um, yes, um, so I want to go ahead and introduce our amazing guest speaker. Uh, we have Mariah Morris. How do you say her last nope. name? <laughs> Mariah Morosco. Mariah Morosco. Thank you. Mariah Morosco is a filmmaker and motion graphics designer living in Brooklyn, New York. Her career started in art direction at a healthcare advertising agency in New York City. She recently finished up a role doing the animated social posts and paid ads for Amy McGrath's campaign for U.S. Senate against Mitch McConnell and is now in post-production for the web series she wrote and directed, The Drive-Thru Therapist. She holds a BA in graphic design from Leah University. Yes, she is my oldest friend of all time. We met in middle school, like shortly after I'd moved to the U.S. She's a badass. We support each other so much. She's like truly one of my most, most supportive friends. And I think this conversation is going to be great for anybody who is considering a career in the arts or going to grad school. There's so many good nuggets. Um, I also want to plug a couple things for her. So her web series that she wrote and directed herself um, is going to come out on YouTube at the end of the month. You can follow it at, at the drive-through therapist web series on YouTube. Um, the trailer actually came out yesterday. So I highly encourage everybody to go watch it. It's awesome. I watched it and I was like, 
oh my God, my friend made this. It's like so professional. I was truly shocked and floored. Everybody should go watch it. Uh, the whole theme of her web series is mental health, which is really cool. And um, you can follow along on her Instagram, which is the drive through therapist for more information about when the web series is going to come out. Um, I think that's everything. Cool. Let's awesome. dive in. Yeah, let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everybody's Bad With Money, where we share stories and get real about personal finance. We make money talk fun. I'm Amelie. And I'm AJ, and we are so excited to have Mariah Marasco here today with us on the podcast. We could not be more excited to chat with you and talk graphics and politics and money and all that fun stuff. So, um, before I begin asking some questions, I think that you and Amelie might know each other. <laughs> Just yes. a little, yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, Mariah is my oldest friend. We have known each other for, oh, well over a de- decade now. What is yeah, it? Yeah, like? a long time. I yeah, don't know. I was, I was like, thinking about this recently. It's yeah, been like years. at least 12, 15. Yeah. How do you yeah, know so- each other? We met in softball, actually, which is like so crazy, Yeah, which we played in middle school, um, which is, it's actually so funny because Raya is like my best, best friend. And we, we actually are, are in different grades. So she was a year ahead of me in school. So we like never had any classes together. We never were like really in the same social circle necessarily, but we just found each other in middle school through this sport and then just like stayed best friends throughout middle school, high school, college. Um, I've never met anybody who like gets me more. Oh, <laughs> oh. Um, that warms my heart. Same oh, on yeah. my end. So yeah. spill the tea. Um, how great was Amelie at softball? Oh, oh let me tell you, she was... <laughs> She was pretty good. I'm forgetting <laughs> what, like, I think we played all the positions at that point. So, oh, yeah. you know, we would just rotate around, but yeah. That's so cute. Um, I love it. So we want to know about you. We want to know about your money story. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So um, thank you for that lovely introduction. That was great. Um I, yeah, I was kind of thinking about like how, what sort of what I wanted to say on this. Um, And yeah, I mean, I guess I'll kind of just go a little high level, Um, you know, similar to what Amelie was talking about in uh, the first episode. I'm from Wellesley also. Um, So yeah, I grew up, I've actually always lived in that town. So I, my parents still live there in the same house that I was born in. So yeah, basically, you know, growing up, I went to all the schooling through that system. um, And then afterwards went to Lehigh. And then uh, since basically I got an internship, um, what was it, the summer between uh, junior and senior year of college, and that was in New York City. Um, And I've actually pretty much been in New York City since then. So went back for my senior year at Lehigh, but then right after Lehigh, my first job was in New York City. Grad school after that was in New York City and I'm still here. So kind of shifted to a different um, a different world that's like super, super different from Wellesley, of course. Um, but yeah, I think, um, you know, when I was like growing up and stuff, I, I 
didn't know that much. I was never really interested. I, I always had a hard time with like math classes and stuff like that. Um, so like the money stuff, you know, when I had to take econ in college and things like that, it was more of a chore than something that I was really drawn to and interested in at the time. Um, and so that was kind of like, you know, just brushing the surface when I was going through college, um, on like understanding kind of how the economy worked and things like that. Um, but didn't really take, uh, like, I didn't really take it up to kind of pursue that and learn a lot about it until I realized after college, oh, it's important to know this stuff. Um, yeah. What made you kind of realize that? Realize that. So I had one meeting with my parents have, um, have like an account that helps them with their taxes and stuff. And they set me up with one meeting um, my first year out of college with like his son who was starting to gain clients. Um, and so I met with him maybe one or two times, nothing really crazy. Um, but like he was mentioning, oh, you know, let's work on like getting you the basics and then down the line, think about investing. So the words were like just starting to be introduced basically on, you know, you might want to think about investing at some point, um, 401k, like things that I didn't even know what 401k meant before my first job at all. Um, so I didn't yes. know that it was important to like, make sure that you do that because it's basically free money if you're if your company matches it and all this stuff. Um, but yeah, I think that like that conversation, those conversations that I had started to get me interested in it, but I didn't even really really dive in until maybe a year or two out of college. Um, and then I, I actually, sorry, I'm kind of thinking through this now. I'm like, so I think that I actually started investing around the time that like the Bitcoin boom was happening maybe three <laughs> years ago or whatever. Yeah. And it was like one of those things where there was all this talk about it. And then I was like, okay, well, and I think I was investing a little bit before that, but it was just really top of mind and everybody was going crazy about this one thing. And so I was like, okay, I want to know more about this. Um, and so it was sort of almost like external factors of like big discussions that were happening that sort of got me interested in it. And then I was like, okay, I have to, you know, do my own research and like figure out the best way to do this. Um, yeah. And, and I actually use one of the, I use Betterment to invest, um, which actually my boyfriend Sean had shown me. Um, and I've heard of a couple other people using it, but it was kind of a nice way in because it was like simple and something where, you know, I still felt overwhelmed and I was like, okay, I want to invest, but I don't really know all the ins and outs and I don't feel like I have the time to learn the ins and outs. And so this is a way for me to start to do that while I kind of continue to develop like my knowledge and understanding so that I can make smarter decisions down the line. So a couple of questions. So going into yeah. the investment stuff. So with Betterment, do you have a portfolio? Do you have mutual funds? Do you invest in individual stocks? Like what does that look like? Yeah. So I set it up basically with the portfolio and I have two different ones. So I have one that's more, um, my basically at, at one point I had um I had bought myself a car in college and then my sister needed a car so she paid me like a certain sum that was fair at the time for the car and so I just threw that into like a higher risk portfolio nice. um and then kind of because I was like okay this is money I wouldn't have had 
so I can kind of be a little bit more risky with it. Um, and then I have like more of my stuff going into a little bit safer of a, of a portfolio. And I'm sure you know how it works, but it basically, you can just kind of decide like what percentage you want to be going into stocks versus bonds and kind of how risky you want it to be and how long, you know, is it a long-term um, account or a short-term? Um, so yeah, again, like pretty, pretty basic. Um, like I don't really... I don't really have feel I have the knowledge up to speed where I can like make my own decisions on exactly where to be putting it. So that's kind of why I leaned towards um, something that like helps you out a little bit and makes it easier. Yeah, you're certainly so not fu- alone in that. It's so funny hearing you talk about investing because I feel like we have a super open relationship and yet I don't actually think I've ever heard you talk about investing. And it's so funny to hear you in this new light. <laughs> And I also want to go back to, to high school because one thing that I think is really interesting to mention is that we worked at an ice cream store, like starting pretty young. And I feel like we both, um, just like have always worked and had our own money and wanted to be independent, but I wouldn't necessarily say that we talked about saving money. Like we were definitely both spenders, correct me if I'm wrong, but like we would go to the mall a lot and like buy clothes or like buy concert tickets. And I'm just interested to hear like you reflect on that time and what you thought our relationship was like. Cause it's like, sometimes you could, you you think about yourself and how you are. And like, if I go back to high school, I'm like, Oh my God, I was really bad with money. But like, I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, first of all, that experience was amazing working at Trulies. Um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, so it's funny when you just said that about concert tickets, I'm like, oh my God, I remembered about the time where we bought the Britney Spears tickets. And, oh, yeah. but so like we spent a lot of money on those, but, and this is the thing, again, I know you've talked in the past about like conscious spending and stuff like that. And not that I'm trying to validate spending a ton and ton of money on Britney Spears tickets. But I think that like with that one, we really wanted to go. We we're super into it. And we did think about it, I feel like, for a little while before, like, taking the plunge and buying it. Um, so, like, that was one of those things where, like, you really thought about it. And then it was really rewarding because you had, like, planned it out and you knew that you wanted to use your money that way instead of it being, like, an impulse buy. Um, oh, but I looking also... Back, looking back, that was, like, the best decision we've ever made. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I might have worn money some ridiculous clothing to that, but yes. Yeah, uh, AJ Mariah made a shirt that said Britney Spears for president. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Are, so you on that free Britney, are you in the free Britney movement? I oh, yeah. have been keeping up with it. Yes, definitely. Yeah. But I don't know, something happened recently, I think, but I'm not like, I'm not every day checking it. So I need to kind of. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Yes. Yeah. Um, were you yeah, like, were think, you were you saving money in high school? Because I was not. Yeah, so that's what I was gonna get to next. Was like we definitely also just used it a lot. Like we just used to go to the mall and buy things that we didn't need, yeah. and just like go and because we were like, it, it was it felt rewarding at the time because we were like, oh, we made the money on our own, and like it's exactly. not just being handed out. But then we were like so excited that we had earned this money that we were like, okay, now what can we do with it? Like immediately. Yeah. And of course, like thinking about saving was like 
at the back of the list. Yeah. And in high school, we were making so much money compared to our friends because we worked at this ice cream store that was like the most popular ice cream store in the town. Like, and we would walk away from a summer, like a three hour summer shift with like 50, 60 bucks in tips. Wow. Mm -hmm. On top of our salary, which was like minimum wage. But for a high schooler, that was a lot of money. Yeah. And so I felt like I all of a sudden had this money to spend. And I mean, I just wish somebody had told me to save it, but it is what it is. I mean, yeah, yeah, you can't go back. It's fine. I know. I think Um, that every time if I had saved five dollars for every babysitting ship ever that I used to babysit like every weekend, sometimes I'd be a millionaire. (laughs) It's so painful. Yeah. Um, so I'm um, curious about um, your, your from college to having that conversation with the accountant, like you jumped into investing, but like you obviously had to like manage your day to day finances. So I'm really curious as to what mm-hmm. happened there. Um, and how did you learn how to like pay your bills and how did you learn how to manage your money, um, which I think would lead really cool into like your freelancing stuff, but we can get into that yeah. later. I'm excited. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I remember the one thing that like, when I met with this guy right out of college, I was kind of like, okay, I'll meet with him once, see what he has to say. But like, I wasn't really into the idea of like doing something long-term, but I do really remember one thing he told me, which seems so simple, but really actually changed the way that I like looked at finances, which was, um, just that basically, He was like, okay, if you get a paycheck, how would you use that? Like, in what order would you apply that money? And I like said what I said, blah, blah, blah. And then he was, he was like, so what you really want to do is instead of like thinking about all the ways you can spend the money, like you, you decide an amount that you're going to save each month. And that comes first before you do anything, even before you pay your bills. So I was like, okay, at the time, you know, it was my first job. So I couldn't necessarily do a lot, but I had some amount that I decided like, okay, I'm comfortable with this chunk just coming out. I'm never seeing it. It's going to be saved before I do anything. And then what are my bills? What's my rent? Um, What do I have to pay? Like the gym membership, whatever. Um, And then after that, it was just, you know, whatever I wanted to spend it on. Um, But I think that looking back, I probably could have upped that amount that I was chunking off in the beginning. Um, and I definitely think at that point in my life, the kind of first couple of years out of college, like I was really invested in like spending time with my friends and going out to dinner. Like I was in New York city. So there were all these restaurants that you could try. Um, and like, there's never a lack of things to do in the city. So you're always like, Oh my God, there's all these things I have to do. And I have to, go out to this place and that place. Um, And so like, I think that ultimately, you know, at the time I could have made that decision to kind of increase that, but that's sort of how I started to think about it. Um, And then a couple of years later, um, I started kind of talking about things with my boyfriend, just like that I wanted to have like a better idea of budget and whatnot. And like he had put together this super simple um, Excel spreadsheet that just kind of had a way of calculating your net worth by putting in like loans that you had out and, and all the basics and then kind of a simple way that you could sort of see what you're spending each month. Um, and that I've actually used that basically religiously twice a month, updating it, looking at all of my accounts since probably three years ago. 
um, three or four years ago, maybe. And like my sister has since she was talking to me about it and she was like, I need a way to do this. And I passed that along to her. Um, so that's kind of where I transitioned into trying to be able to like lay everything out in an organized document and like look at it and update it regularly so that I am very aware of like what funds I have, what things I owe, you know, and I'm not just kind of turning a blind eye to it. That's so great. It's also so nice for me to hear that you're sharing that with your siblings. Uh, another re- like another thing that I feel like Mariah and I really connect on is the fact that we're both oldest siblings and specifically oldest girls. And so I feel like we have always really connected on that and like used each other as almost like sounding boards because neither one of us had anybody above us to like teach us this stuff. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to speak for you, but it's like, so it's so awesome for me to hear that you're sharing this information with your younger siblings, because if, if I, like, I wish I had an older sibling to teach me about this stuff. I feel like I really had to teach myself. So that's so awesome. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely feel that way. And I think my sisters and I talk about how like our parents haven't really because like none of us are in finance or whatever, it just hasn't been a topic of discussion really that much. Um, And it's nice because I do feel like they've started to recognize that like, I'm a better person to go to for some things financially than my parents. And so, um, and like, I understand their lifestyle more because I'm closer in age to them and all these things. So it's definitely really nice to be able to like offer that to them and work through it and make sure that they're kind of like thinking about it from a younger age than I did. What gives them that perspective that you're better or you're a better resource than your parents? Like what, it, what are you doing in your life that's indicating to them that like, wow, this person seems to have their stuff together? Yeah. I mean, I think I'm thinking back and I'm like, I feel like the first time that I really talked to them about it was when they were asking me like, what credit card did you get? Um, and they were like, okay, I have no idea how to do this. Um, and we weren't, we weren't set up the way that I know some people were, where like your parents got you a credit, like a starter credit card in college. So we just like, I didn't have my first credit card until after college. Um, I think that's good. Yeah. (laughs) And, and so, you know, I kind of figured it out on my own, like at the time, what would make sense in my parents, I think they like the type of credit card they would have is obviously so different than the type of credit card, like somebody younger, just starting out would have. Um, so I feel like that was kind of the beginning of it. And then I might've, I think that I probably was the one who brought up like to my sister that because we're kind of talking about things like that. And I could tell they were thinking a little bit about money. I was like, by the way, I have this thing. If you want it, like, I'd love to walk you through it. And um, like the older one who's now out of college, she was receptive to that. And then the younger one found out that we were talking about that. So she was like, oh, I want to know what that is. And it kind of became like, in a way, sort of fun to talk about together. So, yeah. Very cool. So what, um, I I guess it's you gone from like stability 401k to I'm going to go be a freelancer and work in politics, work in graphic design and politics. So I, <laughs> I want to know about that journey and like, what was the, the, how did you feel safe to do that? Did you feel safe to do that? Um, what inspired you to go make it on your own? 
Yeah. And, and talk about grad school a little bit too, because I think we have a lot of listeners who are probably around our age, maybe making the, the decision to go to grad school, to not go to grad school. And like, what does that look like? What does that encompass? And how did you make that decision? Yeah. So I, so grad school had been something that was like in my mind um, for a long time. And like, I found myself in advertising and it wasn't really like I could tell early on, I definitely enjoyed working there and met a lot of amazing people, but I could tell really early on that it wasn't necessarily something I was interested in doing for the long haul. Um, And I also was raised in general, like my dad is an MD PhD. So he went to school forever. Um, And of, of course, in like a very different field, but I was just raised to kind of think differently about a future instead of, you know, the automatic go-to being like, just get the corporate job and work your way up and stay there. Like I always kind of had this perspective from growing up on like, there are different ways to success and you don't necessarily need to go like the safe linear route the entire way. Um, And, and yeah. And I think that that even stems way back just to jump off for a second to like my major that I chose in college. Like I chose graphic design. I knew that that wasn't, um, like a given rise to a ton of money, the way that my friends who were choosing finance or accounting was. And I was like, okay with that, because I was like, I know that there are different ways. I know that I'm a driven individual. Like I feel confident in myself that I can work hard and get to where I want to be. So I think that like that perspective, just that the fact that I had that all the way kind of helped, helped me think through that decision to like leave something that felt comfortable at the time. Um, And then of course, like the decision to leave was an uncomfortable one, but I kind of was prepared to feel that way, if that makes sense. Um, And I think getting to kind of like the freelance shift, um, I think, or I guess the financial part of grad school, like the way that I looked at it was that it was an investment in myself. And luckily the school was really good with like giving, pretty large amounts of scholarships. So that was amazing. Um, But, you know, it was one of those things where I was like, ultimately my happiness is what I'm, what's driving me right now. And like my passion. And I honestly just let that drive me. And I was like, I, again, going back to like, I know that I can work hard and achieve things. Like I've done it in the past. So I feel that it's like a calculated risk that I'm taking where, like I'm okay with this unknown and I'm okay with like, you know, shifting away from what the the normal society might tell you to do. Um, yeah. And I think, and again, I think there are different ways. Like I think grad school is one way to do that. I think there's all kinds of ways. Like, I mean, you guys are doing this podcast, for example, like on the side, you know, as an additional thing. And I think it's also about how you, this is a little less money based, but it's also about kind of how you structure your schedule and your priorities. And like, if, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with people who are successful in the filmmaker industry and something they'll say is like, if you want to be going out with your friends every single Saturday and date drinking, like you're not going to make it in this industry. Like you're not going to be able to, you like, if you want to do something that's hard and that's like a riskier path and a little unknown, then you have to be willing to, like give that time and you have to be like, okay with kind of working a little bit more than the nine to five. And it has to be something that drives you and that you're passionate about to spend 
a lot of time on. So I think that it's also kind of like for people who, you know, are, are really passionate about something and they're willing to kind of put that time in, um, then that kind of sets you up for better, um, a better potential outcome financially because you are really like putting a lot of effort in. Um, and then, yeah. And then, so in terms of, um, the freelance stuff. So one thing I just want to mention also is while I was in grad school, I was like, it was, it was a full-time program. So I did have to leave my job in advertising in order to go to grad school. And I was doing like all kinds of things for, for money. Like I, luckily I had, um, a relatively steady stream of income from, one thing but then I also like when I was home over I had a month I think between you know the Christmas break that they give you and I worked at like a retail store when I was 25 and that was something I wouldn't have seen myself doing but like was a great life experience and just like humbled me and I met a lot of cool people um so I think that also being open to like being okay with just kind of flowing and like doing the things that you need to do while you're getting there is, is also important. Um, and then, yeah, I'll just, the last thing I'll say kind of, um, is that, you know, now that I'm out of school, I graduated during a very crazy time in May, 2020. Um, I was super lucky to have the, the job pop up with Amy McGrath, which was awesome. And, you know, as, I'm lucky in that I'm a creative and, and while filmmaking is my primary goal that I'm working on career wise, I still have like the design skills that I developed from my undergrad and, and from my job in advertising and other things. And so as a freelancer, what's nice is that you can kind of take jobs that will help you pay the bills, but then you can also have time to work on your, your bigger picture thing that you're trying to push forward. So like, freelancing um, has allowed me the time to push forward this web series, the drive through therapist that, that like is my passion project and that I'm super excited to put out. So it kind of, there's certain things that, you know, could be cons, but there's also things that are definitely pros from having like a traditional job that it allows you to do. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. Like what, what have you found are some of the benefits and downsides of not working that typical nine to five job? And like moving yeah. towards more freelancing or work. Cause I know that I'm sure, I mean, I haven't personally done it, but I'm sure that there are some like additional stressors where not knowing what, where you're like not having a steady paycheck. But again, like you were talking about, you are working on something that you're more passionate about. And so therefore I would think that it would feel better. I don't know. You tell me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I would say the obvious con is like benefits um, like health insurance, that's a huge yeah. one, especially mm-hmm. right now. It's like super important. And it's unfortunate that that's the way it is because it is, it, like I said, it is more time consuming and kind of more of a grind to be a freelancer. And so then to also have to deal with like, just figuring out how to make sure you're covered with health insurance and all of that on top of it, um, can be, can be definitely stressful at times. Um, but I think, Yeah. So I'd say that's like the biggest just go to con with it. And then the kind of the unknown, I think that a lot of freelancers and I'm in some freelance freelancer groups where people kind of talk and try to help each other out. And I think that um, it can be hard to find your footing as a freelancer because freelancing really is based on like connections, like 
Mm-hmm. I got a job recently where somebody that I had freelanced for a couple months ago put me in, like basically uh, gave my information to somebody else. And then they reached out to me being like, Hey, I need some freelance work. So it yeah. can be hard to start out. But then once people get into a groove, like I know people who make way more than they would at a nine to five, because you get, you get to just bill by the hour. So if you're working 60 hours a week, you're not salaried. So you get, um, you know, you get all that extra money. So it, it's, it's really like a range and you kind of have to find your groove in it, I would say. Um, and then like, I guess the, the con to the nine to five, I mean, you know, of course I've worked, I've been in both worlds and I think, I guess, and I think this is probably changing a little bit um, with like COVID and a lot of the work being remote right now, but that idea of like, you have to be there from nine to five, you have to be at your desk even if you don't have work that day, like even if it happens to be a day where there's not as much going on, this just idea of like being chained to your desk and like having to spend your time that way where when you're freelancing, you're working if there's work and if there's not, you're doing whatever else you wanna do to better yourself. Um, So that's kind of like, that's kind of a nice part of it too. Yeah, I feel like um, something that I'm curious about is with the people that you surround yourself with because you seem to be very driven and capable and confident in your capabilities. And I get the impression that you're comfortable asking for money, but I think a lot of artists are not. And mm-hmm. I'm curious as to what are your, what have you seen and, and how have you felt about asking for money? Because there's that stigma in cult in our culture that like art for art's sake, which is, is a background mm-hmm. in um, my backgrounds in drama um, mm-hmm. theater, like that's something that I'm like not okay with. Like, why should yeah. we get paid for the work that we do? And it's just so accepted. And so I'm wondering if like you notice that with people, if you've experienced that and all of that jazz. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so I guess I have kind of two prongs to the answer. One being like funding a project and then t- two being like as a freelancer, just how do you make yourself valuable and, and make people feel good about spending the money. I think, um, I guess I'll start with the freelance part. So what's nice about freelancing is that you just decide your rate. And like when someone's hiring you, they're like, what's your rate? And if they're okay with paying you that per hour, um, they'll hire you. And if they want someone for less, they'll, they won't hire you. Um, and I think that I definitely have seen because I do have a couple of really good friends who who do have nine to fives, but also do freelance work on the side, which is like a whole other thing. Um, and we have talked about like, how do we when we were all starting out, we're like, how do we decide what our rate is? And there's like Googling you can do, but it does come down to like, you do feel kind of insecure at first because you're like, this feels like a lot to ask per hour and like, how do I know that they're willing to pay this? But it is kind of about carrying yourself as like, yes, this is how much it costs and feeling good about that. And just like putting a stake in the ground and people will like, people will come to you and it might, maybe you'll miss a job or something because it was less um, or more expensive than they could afford. But like, if you put that stake in the ground and you're not like, they ask you about your rate and, and you don't say, oh, well, I'm willing to do it for whatever, you know? And you're like, nope, this is how much I cost. And so, yeah, this is how much I would charge for the project. Like, 
they'll respect you a lot more too. And I think that like the, the couple of close friends that I'm thinking about where we've talked about this, like we feel that people take you um, a lot more seriously and, and view you more professionally if you're just willing to really be like firm about that. Um, so I think that that's something that people can be really insecure about, but it's important as a freelancer to really feel confident in like standing by yourself and your decisions. Um, I also and think then, about like art and artists as, uh, and creatives as people who like, you're, you're not only paying for the time that someone's putting into your project, but also like all the time that they've spent developing this skill, you know, like yeah. you're, you're paying, you're paying for the two years of grad school that you went to and like the four years of undergrad that you went to to learn graphic design. So it's like, that's, I, I mean, I, I would think that that is something that people can lean on to feel more confident about themselves. It's like one of my favorite anecdotes with like creative stuff is, and I'm sure you guys have heard of it. It's a pretty popular story, but it's um, that story about Picasso, like in his old age, being in a cafe and like drawing on a napkin. And some yeah. woman, like some woman saw him and was like, oh, like that is a really cool piece of art. Like I want to buy it from you. How much is it? And he was like $30,000. And she was like, are you kidding me? Like you do that in five minutes. And he's like, no, it took me like 30, 40, 50 years to draw this. It didn't take me five minutes, which right. I think is like such a, such a perfect anecdote. Anecdote. Yeah, that's, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. I think it's, it all comes down to like, and right now with COVID, it's like, I've mentioned to people about jobs, like, so I'm going to bake into my rate, my remote workflow setup, like I have Adobe, so you guys don't have to pay for it. So therefore my rate might go up a little bit or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, it's definitely, it's like, yeah, it's like the iceberg beneath the surface of like what goes into being able to offer yeah. this creative for them. What, what would you tell to somebody who is like feeling insecure about charging what they think they're worth or like, or what do you, what would you tell somebody who feels like they're like up against a wall because they need work and they need money, but they don't want to sacrifice their rate? Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, I think that the way I went about it was I started with like maybe a little bit low, like on the low end that was like a little bit safer where I felt like pretty good that people could, could, would be able to accommodate it. Um, but I think that like you have to decide your bottom line and you should not go below that. And it's yeah. hard because you might have to turn down jobs, but like you shouldn't. And, and, you know, I say that like, if, if you're, if, if it's absolutely necessary to take it and you're in a situation where you have to, then of course, like do that. But I think that if it's at all possible, like you should establish that bottom line for yourself and just like it's like a rule. It's like, I can't go below this. This is just it. And, and like, try to just be firm with that if you can. Um, and then that'll allow you also like to feel better about increasing your rate after you gained like, you know, experience, because I think that you'll, you'll be already kind of thinking about it. Like I'm worth this. I'm not willing to go less. And then you'll be thinking, you know, the next thing you'll be thinking about is like, okay, how do I build myself up to being able to offer for a little bit higher of a rate over time? Yeah. Um, and, and so I think, I think it just starts at trending in the right direction. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I, no I think that that's like a perfect um, example that relates directly to money because it really is about valuing yourself and it's about 
like knowing that the opportunities will come. It's like believing that the universe will provide to you when you put that stake in the ground, you know? Like I think people who are constantly feeling afraid and fearful that they're not gonna get work, like you're putting that energy out into the universe and it probably won't come to you. But if you are like constantly telling yourself like there's an abundance of work, like I will find work, this is my bottom line, then I feel like you're actually going to end up finding those jobs because you're coming from a place of abundance rather than a place of fear. So I think that's like a perfect example. So speaking about a place of fear, I'd love to know about your stint in politics. (laughs) (laughs) What a segue. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah, I mean that, so that popped up. So I'm a part of this um, Slack group, Ladies Get Paid, which I think I've mentioned formally, Um, but it's really great. And it's really great. And it's basically just a network of you know professional women of all industries like not just creative there's people from marketing and sales and tech um and it's a really awesome community so I actually came across the job through that and it it just the timing was just perfect because it was kind of right after I had gotten my degree everything was super crazy and unknown with the economy at that time um and so it popped up and basically it was a full-time role, but it was contract-based. So it was just basically through the timeline of the election and a little bit after. Um, so I was like, you know, I, I didn't necessarily see myself taking like a temporary role, um, but it was one of those things where like everything aligned at the right time. And I was like, this is just the right, it felt like really right to, to do it. And I was like, this is something that I'm, that I care about that I'm invested in and, um, that I think would be a really good way to just, you know, flex my skills and like put myself to the test. Um, Were you looking for a role in politics? Like how did, or did it just kind of pop up? Were so you, you were interested in? Yeah. So it, I, I had been like, so it kind of was a little bit of both. It, it did just pop up and it's not something where um, I was necessarily like focusing my job search on only that at the time. Um, but I think that one of the things that, that I just kind of, as I'm looking at job opportunities for freelance have thought about is like, I really enjoy things where the, the mission is like um, society driven and it's like something for the greater good. And like, I always get really excited about projects that are kind of um, whether they're, you know, nonprofit organizations or just things that are working towards like the public good, mm-hmm. as opposed to, of course, like the traditional, um, corporate corporate jobs which again I'm happy to take but I think that I get extra excited about those types of things so when it came across I was like this is a no-brainer like it's so important right now the fact that I have an opportunity to like use what I what I can do for something that's so important in affecting every American at the time like it just felt really really right so So um, exactly were you doing so I was basically creating all of the animated social posts um, for like all of her platforms. So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, and then a number of the paid posts too. So like we call them organic social, the ones that would go on Instagram and stuff like that where just the public could see it. And then there was also like part of the um, part of the setup of a campaign is that they have the paid ads that can go on Facebook and things like that, where 
um, you're reaching specific groups. So reaching Kentuckians specifically, rather than just putting something out that anybody could see. Um, so I did a lot of that too. And, and most of the work was animated and some of it would work with, with video too, where I would create like overlays and stuff like that. Some of the posts were fully animated. Um, but I basically came in and there was like branding established, but I helped um, kind of develop like how we were gonna do that animated, like how we were gonna translate the branding into animated messaging. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was just like, it was absolutely crazy. So much fun. I, um, it was essentially like turning around a project at least per day. So it was very fast paced. Um, which was really great as a designer. And like, if anybody does have an opportunity to work on a political campaign at any point, like I would, as a designer, I would definitely recommend it just because it's very like, you're thrown into it. You just have to turn things around and then you get better and better because you're working um, like in an environment where you're, you're challenging yourself basically on a daily basis. Fortunately, the outcome was not what we wanted, but it was... (laughs) It was still very, very fun. And I actually never met, I fully interviewed, worked for the team remotely, never met anybody in person. Um, I of course hope to someday, but that was really cool. I think another thing, just quick side note about the time that we're living in right now is that like, I've actually seen a lot. There's of course been job cuts and like unemployment is crazy, but at the same time, I've also seen opportunities come up where I don't know if I would have gotten the chance like I don't know that they would have been open to hiring somebody remotely from Brooklyn if we hadn't been in this situation so that was really awesome yeah and I think for I mean for everybody but especially for freelancers hopefully one kind of silver lining of all of this is that there's going to be more remote opportunities and people are more comfortable like offering up remote work because as a society, I feel like we've proven that we can do it. So, yeah. um, so it's possible. I mean, we're all talking like in different places right now, you know, we got Boston, New York, DC, and you know, we're all here having a conversation. So the world in a way does feel like a little bit of a smaller place, which is nice. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. I would love to kind of let you promote anything that you want to share. Oh, and before you get into that, I, I want to say that our graphic and our logo was created by Mariah. So if you want to go see a very uh, like prime example of her work, go check out our Instagram or, and we post like graphics that you've given to us all the time and it's amazing and really like, I love it. So <laughs> I think that's a good, good plug for your work, but anything else that you want to promote, where can people find you? Yeah, so um, I think I mentioned this in the beginning, but I am currently in post-production for my web series, The Drive-Thru Therapist, which is narrative, so fiction, comedy um, based around therapy. And um, it's something that I wrote and directed and put a lot of effort in. And the team is very, very excited for it to be public um, so that we're working towards um, probably at this point, like an early January release, um, but you can follow the Instagram to kind of keep up to date with when that's going to come out and just kind of fun tidbits that we're putting out in the meantime. And that is at the drive through therapist with T-H-R-U. Um, and then my, my professional Instagram um, where I post my design work and things like that is at Mariah or at M underscore 
it's very, it's like a weird one, but um, yeah. So I kind of, I'll be posting, you know, over the next month or so about that project specifically and kind of gearing up to get that released online. Um, so I'd love everybody to keep up to date with it and it's going to be really fun. It's just basically um, about, you know, therapy being, it basically takes therapy and tries to put it in a public context and just make it fun and less daunting and serious and scary than a lot of media and TV shows uh, portray it as. So it's, you know, a fresh take on something that's of course so important and impacts pretty much all of us. So um, yeah, so keep up to date with that and can't wait for everyone to see it. I can't wait to watch it. I'm so excited. Um, Mariah, uh, we always ask uh, all of our guests um, if they could describe their relationship with money in one word, what would that word be? Ooh, one word. That's so hard. (laughs) I know, it's a tough question. (laughs) Can I do like a slash or no? It has to be. No, sure. No, I'm like, no. Okay, wait, I'll think of my one word. Commit. Commit to the word. Um, Interesting. Oh, I think that's a great word for you. You seem yeah. very interested in money. Yeah, I like that. That checks out. Feels good. <laughs> see, see what happens when you make someone commit? I was going to say Good job, AJ. What were you going to say? I was going to say love-hate, but I feel like interesting is, is better. So thanks for pushing me on that. Mm-hmm. Good. Love it. Love it. Mariah, we couldn't have been happier to have you here. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom experience and stories with us. Thanks for listening to Everybody's Bad With Money. This podcast was presented by Beyond the Green Coaching. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, um, and check out our website, www.beyondthegreencoaching.com. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.